welcome back to the Hot Girl Diaries podcast. So happy to have you here this week. Sorry the episode's a little bit late. I'm literally recording this. Not gonna lie to you guys. It is Thursday at 1.37 p.m. right now. And normally I release the episode at midnight on Thursday. So so sorry for the delay. It's just because I was on Thanksgiving break. My school did two extra days of vacation than they normally do. So I was away for five days. I went to Niagara Falls with my friend's family, which was super fun. And weird fact about me, I've actually never done a Canadian Thanksgiving before or an American one because I don't know, my family just doesn't celebrate it. We're Jewish. So like, I don't know, it's not really like a thing for us to celebrate Thanksgiving. So I had my very first Thanksgiving meal with my friend's family and it was really fun and I got to stay with them and they had like little, they had six chickens in their backyard. They have a big backyard, they have chickens. So we were eating the fresh eggs. Like I literally went and would like feed the chickens and like take like they didn't lay very much because they're um, young, but we would like take a couple of eggs and make that for breakfast which was super cool i was like i'm a city girl but this is really fun for me and we drove around saw the waterfall which was super big i mean like i'm sure you're like yeah duh sure it's like a known thing like obviously it's a big waterfall well i had never seen it and i never really thought about it so that was super cool for me went shopping a little bit yeah it was a really good break so i was taking a lot of time off just like for myself just to relax just enjoy my time there because Sometimes you just need to take a break and no life does not stop. So now I have a ton of things to catch up on, including this podcast, which I'm doing right now. So good. Good for me. Proud of myself. Okay. Um, yeah. So today I am talking to Allie. She is a Pilates instructor and she's talking a lot about her eating disorder story. So I just want to put a big trigger warning on this episode. If discussion around eating disorders is triggering for you or upsetting for you, please just do not listen. Listen to another one of my episodes because we talk a lot about that. Um, And I'm also going to be linking some, some eating disorder resources in the description. So if This is a triggering topic for you. Just don't even listen to the episode. Just scroll down to the description. Check out some of those resources. If um, that seems like something that you are willing to explore, I urge you to do that. And as always, I ask you to please, 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 please rate, review, subscribe. It really helps support my podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on there. Leave a review, leave a rating. I really appreciate it. And follow on Instagram at Hot Girl Diaries Pod and follow my Instagram and TikTok, Shira Faye Eats. And yeah, that's all I really have to say for now. So I'm going to get into the episode. So today I'm speaking with Allie. She is a recent college grad. She speaks at college campuses about her eating disorder story, and she is also a Pilates instructor. So hello, Allie. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. You know, it's been like a long day. I actually just got done teaching before I got on this call, but I was looking forward to it. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, same. I've had the busiest day. I'm going on a trip tomorrow. So I, um, I've just been running around doing like literally everything. It's like the first moment I've stopped and sat down, but I'm happy to be speaking to you. I know sometimes those can be like the best and worst days yeah. because you're, yeah, you're like not stopping. So the day goes by quick and you feel so accomplished at the end, but during it, you're like stress ball. Oh my God. Yeah. It's been insane. <laughs> you know? Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience with your body image and health growing up and then in college? Yeah. So For me growing up, I feel like 
not everyone that has my story now had the same background. I grew up with a very normal relationship and experience with food and body, like a very unrestrictive household, uh, a lot of home-cooked meals. We ate pretty healthy. No negative discussion around the body from when I, from what I can remember besides like, you know, those typical diet culture comments like, oh, shouldn't have that cake yeah, or like, you know, yeah. but college, college, college is where the shift really happened for me. And when I reflect back on that in that freshman year, sophomore year of college, it really was just a control response to being out of control in my life. Mm-hmm. There was so much happening at that time. I was going through a pretty traumatic breakup. I felt free for the first time. You know, when you when you get to college, it's like no parents. Yeah, You can make your own choices. And not that you can't make your own choices when you're in high school, but it just feels different. Yeah. So I made those choices, right? I went out. I went crazy, drank, like drugs, you name it. And it showed on my body. It showed. And I had never thought about my body like in that way right. until college. I never looked in the mirror or like took a picture and was like, ugh, like it, it was... It was a total shift in my head. And so naturally what most girls do, I started Googling ways to get it off. I think that moment that I took my my curiosity to Google is where it all changed because the most toxic things came up, whether that was Google or just girls on Instagram or whatever at the time, YouTube videos, you pick up on habits just based on what people say you should do to lose it. And I think that was the turning point for me. Yeah, I feel like it's such a common experience for people to have like diet culture in their household growing up. So I think it's interesting that you started off with like such a good relationship with your body. I think it's also extremely common for like girls to go to college or guys and start to actually think about themselves in that way and spiral down like a not healthy path like you did. Exactly. And that's really the thing that surprises people the most is like, I never thought about it yeah, before. That's so rare. I was an athlete. You know, I was an athlete. I ate whatever I wanted. I was in a relationship. We went out to dinner. Never thought yeah. about it. It was that when you see it, you see the difference. Yeah. And you feel the difference. And you're just going down into a dark place is I think what college did to me. Not that everyone experiences it in the same way, but I think that's really, the, that was the trigger. Yeah, I definitely had a similar experience in my first year. I also like put on a decent bit of weight and like had never really experienced that before. And then I guess the difference was then COVID happened. And then I was like, I had all the free time in the world to just like cook myself healthy meals and exercise. And I lost weight in a healthy way, which was super cool. But Yeah, I think that it can go in so many different ways. Do you want to go a little bit deeper into your eating disorder story and what that meant for you? Yeah, so I think it started as a coping mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. It was just a way to lose weight. I'm eating healthy, you know, after gaining that weight, I started these tactics, you know, what everyone does, eat a little bit less or work out a little bit more. And I think it's okay as a person, if you notice you've gained a little bit of weight to want to do those things. Yeah. You know, that's the ebb and flow. But for me, it quickly turned into something quite addictive, Mm -hmm. quite serious and pretty dangerous. And I found myself in denial. Like I, sometimes I say this, it sounds weird. I feel like I blacked out during the whole process. Yeah. When people ask me to go back and recall, it's like, you start to remember things and you're like, wow. 
like for example I remember when I first started restricting really badly I had this little journal next to my bed and I would write everything I ate that day Mm -hmm. and I didn't remember this until recently and then I found the journal and it was so heartbreaking but it was little things like that that I would do and comments fueled the fire so we go away for summer we come back to school everyone's going out we're wearing little crop tops little skirts right oh my god you look so good how do you do it xyz and I'm like eating it up just eating it up yeah it, it got worse and worse every comment just it added to it and that that fuel of the fire it almost changes your whole personality like I I don't know if if you've heard people talk about this before but you kind of get like a really short temper when you're hungry oh yeah hanger right it got to a point where I no longer looked like how'd you do it I looked like sick Mm mm-hmm And that's when people are almost scared to say something to you because they don't want to piss you off because my temper was so damn bad. I don't know if I can curse on you, (laughs) but it was, yeah, yeah, you can, you're good. It was so damn bad. Like I would at the drop of a hat, I couldn't function. So now at this point, I'm isolating myself. I'm not going out with my friends. Walking up the stairs was like, I'm out of breath. I'm losing my hair. And finally you know, my relationships are suffering. Mm -hmm. Finally, someone said something and I lost it. I lost it. Right. I, oh my God, how could you? Sorry, I'm healthy. Sorry that you hate that I'm healthy. And this went on a year and a half. It was really bad. Yeah. Like really bad. And finally, I think I, I ended up, I got into a new relationship and it was hard because I couldn't do anything with him. (laughs) yeah because because you can't go to restaurants really you can't right it's like and that's the best part what you just said right there I can't go like I can't you know it's like I was so mean to myself and I think I realized that I was missing out I I was missing out on everything Mm -hmm. on fun nights on things with him on simple stuff like even just like watching a movie with my roommate and eating popcorn right yeah and from there I tried to heal myself which I think a lot of people do. They don't think they need professional help. They try to heal themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what sends you down that road. What well, I call it quasi recovery where yeah. you're starting to tell people, oh, I'm good. I eat yeah. now, but that's like, oh, we're going out to eat tonight. So now I'm not going to eat all day. Right. You know, just so yeah. I can show up and I'm, I'm better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you know, just to like sum, sum it up, I'm trying to do a super high level, but I went, to get help at school. And I would go to someone twice a week, I think it was. And then we dropped down to one time mm-hmm. a week and she called me out on my shit. Nice. She called me out. And that's what you need. You need an outsider to call you out on your shit. I believe that. Yeah. Someone internally, you won't listen to them. It needs to be someone telling you that what you're doing is not normal because you think it's normal. You do it so much that you just think it's normal life and you'll never get out of it. So that's like a really high level overview of it. Obviously anyone who's been through it or anyone that knows someone that's been through it knows that there's so much nuance to it. You could Mm -hmm. write a book. Anyone could write a book about their stories. So I totally agree with what you're saying that you need like an outsider's perspective. And I could see how warped your view was because when they called you out, like that first person, you said, oh, I'm sorry that I'm healthy. And it's like, what a warped perception of health. It's like, you didn't even say skinny. You said healthy. Yeah. Which is yeah. Just completely inaccurate for how you were at the time. Mm-hmm. You 
sought out professional help. How long did your recovery take? And like, how did you recover from this just with the counselor or did you have any other things? So this is an interesting question. And I, I actually get this question a lot. Like Mm -hmm. how long did it take until you were recovered? And I think that, and people, this is something that's also controversial. I believe that it's really an ongoing process that never truly ends. Mm -hmm. Like the commitment to battling those like ED voices is one that you have to wake up and you consciously choose it every day. The difference, I think the difference is that each day it gets easier. And that's how you can track your progress. Some of the things I used to tell myself or some of the things I used to do, I can't even imagine. Like we're talking about weighing fresh like peppers and cucumbers to put in a salad. Mm -hmm. Like to think that that was even something I did. And that just shows how much progress you've made to look back and be like, I used to weigh everything I put in my meal. Even when they're like fresh vegetables. Yeah. It's scary, but like broccoli, but, but I think that's really what it is. So when someone says, you know, how long did it take? I think it's still going. Yeah. And, and I don't know if I'll ever say that it ends. I, you know, it's something that every day you choose. Some days it's easier. Some days it's harder. Some days you feel like it never happened to you. Other days, it's the worst day you've had in a while. Yeah. So that's what I would say to that. I know plenty of people that say, I'm fully recovered and I never looked back. And that's great that they feel mm-hmm. that way. You know, I would never say that this is it, that you never get over it. But I do think that that's the truth for a lot of people. I think that's really common, actually, in a lot of like wellness journeys or recovery stories of all different types, like addicts, alcoholics, you know, you're even when you're sober, you're still an alcoholic, like it's still inside you kind of thing. Totally agree. That's actually such a great um, analogy. Like, yeah, people that recover from people that are recovering addicts. It's that same mental thing. It's just different types of addiction. Right. But it's that same addiction. It's going to come up. Mm -hmm. But every day it's easier. Like, some alcoholics can be around people drinking and they're fine. Yeah. Like recovering alcoholics, others, they're not there yet. Yeah. They're not drinking, but they can't be around it. Yeah. And it'll come at different points for everyone. It could take two years. It could take 10, you know, you never could get there. It's, it's, I think it's very individual with addiction. Totally agree. I feel like a huge issue that I see. And I think a lot of people will see is, I think it used to be on Tumblr. Now it's probably a lot on TikTok is like the romanticization of eating disorders girls posting what I eat in days when they're eating like nothing, even worse things than that, thinspo. So I would love to like deconstruct that and de-romanticize eating disorders altogether because I think that's just so toxic and horrible and I hate it. So do you want to share maybe like some dark points, anything like super unromantic about having an eating disorder? Yes, because I think this is something I wish was discussed more in the community that in itself, it is romanticized, right? I think Mm -hmm. what's really good, the progress we have made is we're talking about it. People are coming on podcasts, sharing their stories. Yeah. Diet culture is being like deconstructed, et cetera. But people still, most people, I will say, still associate an eating disorder with being skinny. Yeah. And it's just not true. Yeah. The thin body is what's being romanticized in reality. Mm Mm-hmm. 
right? And it comes off as an eating disorder, but the thin body isn't what defines the eating disorder. What defines the eating disorder is the compulsive thoughts, the behaviors that come with having one, right? Yeah. It's, it's those thoughts and behaviors that you will never understand unless you truly had it. And if you did, you would never romanticize it. That's just the bottom line. It is so all consuming. Everything in your life revolves around what it wants. Mm-hmm. Meal times, outfits, you know, engagement with people, mm-hmm. everything revolves around it. Like I can just take myself back. I'm just thinking about maybe a little anecdote I can share that I don't know if I've shared this story before, but I remember there was a night where all my friends were going out um, mm-hmm. and I didn't have an Apple watch at this time. And I always wanted an Apple watch and all my roommates went out because you know, obviously why I wanted the Apple watch, right? I want to track right. my calories. Of course. All my roommates went out. They invited me to come. I said, I have homework. I can't. This was a pretty dark time. I want to say this was the beginning of my sophomore year. I have homework. I can't, or I'm tired, made up some stupid lie so that I could stay in. Mm-hmm. They all left and I was finally alone. And I, I, I went into my roommate's room and I grabbed her Apple watch and I put it on and I just started moving around and tracking how many calories I was burning. And I don't even remember jumping jacks, lunges, just all around this apartment. And it's things like that. It's like, I couldn't stop myself because so badly I needed to see that number go up Yeah. or it's things like literally laying in bed and being so like your stomach hurts so bad because you're so hungry so you just like pull out your phone and you start watching youtube or where you start watching like what i eat in a days so that you don't go grab something and like binge or even yeah. grab something healthy and just fucking eat a meal yeah. like you'll do anything so i think and those are just two stories but they're dark yeah it's they're dark. it's so heartbreaking right and people that have never been there they would never post something like that if they knew so I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is something that needs to be outed Mm -hmm. and there have been times where I've said things on my Instagram like this needs to stop blah 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 but it gets to a point where it's like Mm -hmm. me putting my energy towards that type of content doesn't serve me it hurts me so I'm just going to be someone who doesn't create that content bottom line you know yeah yeah I I think that what you said about that the thing you did with the Apple watch like when I just I don't know. I think that's just so sad. Like your friends were out having a good time and like, I don't know, it's just so heartbreaking. And it's like one of those stories that you would be so, I think, embarrassed or uncomfortable to tell somebody, Mm -hmm. but you need people to say it because I know there's someone out there that will be like, I've done something like that or I've thought about doing something like that. And for me, it's like, it's done and dusted. I did it. So why not share it? Yeah. And I think that's so awesome that you share your story and like such a positive thing that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Because it's, it wasn't not easy in the beginning to admit some of the things, Yeah, but it, every time you do it and you see what it does, you get those like comments from people, how much it helped them. It's like, okay, th- I'm doing something right. Yeah. That's definitely a difficult thing to share. And it's like, it's, it's embarrassing a little bit, you know, like I'm not saying you should be embarrassed, but it, it can feel embarrassing. No, I no, I totally agree with you. It's like you almost don't want to share it because you can't believe you did it, but it mm-hmm. shows how where yeah. I was, like how dark that was and how that's not something anyone should be, you know, making a TikTok about and they're not making TikToks about that because it's not no. same as I don't just think anyone would make a TikTok about that. That'd be a little weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Can you imagine? So obviously when you're in recovery, you're going through a lot of changes in your body, in your mindset, your lifestyle. And I think that can be really scary for a lot of people. So how did you cope with and become comfortable with seeing these changes happening? Yeah. So I think the thing with change is that I don't want to say nobody likes change. Plenty of people like change, but change is always something that's hard. Always. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to how you are accustomed to looking and how you perceive other people or how other people perceive you and how, if you change, we think that that's all they think about. We think that other people notice anytime we gain a pound. (laughs) Yeah. But I think I got comfortable with change when I realized when I just stopped myself in my tracks one day and I was like, wow, I am so much happier. Like when I actually stopped myself and thought, how did I once live like that? Yeah. Like that was so hard. Yeah. And so when we evolve in a positive way like that, you realize that to evolve, there has to be change. There has to be. And it's something that you just have to accept. Yeah. Nobody will remember your gene size or that you were, you know, you were an extra small, but you know, they'll remember how you treated them and how, and how you showed up in this world and how fun you were to go get dinner and drinks with, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, dealing with the change is just to go inward and say, without this change, who am I? Mm -hmm. Do I want to be that person? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I think change is something that's so like, it's difficult for me. It's difficult for everyone. And, but the thing about it is like, when you're in a place that's not great, you need to change to get to another place. And I think that's like the most important thing to remember is just how important change is and how you can't really grow in your comfort zone. 100%. It's like, it's like inevitable. That's the word for it. In order to be what you currently don't want to be, let's say not everyone's in a spot that they, that they hate, yeah. but if you're somewhere where you don't like who you are, how you're showing up or what you're doing, you must change, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you must. And if you have the ability to change something and you don't, then you're just saying you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're saying you're okay with it and you're, you're willing to live in misery. And I, that makes me so sad that anybody would yeah. put their happiness on the line to wear a certain size. Yeah. It's really sad. So you said that you like when you started college, you were binge drinking, you were doing drugs, you were going out a ton. And now obviously you live a very healthy lifestyle. And in between that, you were kind of isolating yourself and not going out, not doing anything. How did you find a balance between these two like drastically different lifestyles of like going out versus like completely isolating? Yeah, this is something that is so interesting because I think that people, we just live in extremes. We think Mm -hmm. that you either have to be a party girl, go out every single night or be a homebody. Yeah. Like people just think that you have to classify, you know, you'll hear your friends say like, oh, she's such a homebody Yeah, because she stayed in like for a week. Like, yeah. So (laughs) what I think is like, this is what this is going to sound stupid because it's so simple, but this is what has helped me find the balance is truly ask myself what I want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm invited out, say your friends are getting margaritas. Yeah. They say, do you want to come? I ask myself in my head, do I want to go? If the answer is yes, girl, 
fucking go. Yeah. Go and have the time of your life. Even if you hear this little voice in your head, like chips and guac, you can't eat that. No, you want to go. Yeah. Go. If I ask myself and myself is like, my brain says, no, you just want to watch Netflix on your couch and drink a cup of green tea or have an ice cream cone and just watch Gilmore Girls and go to bed. Then do that. Yeah. And I think that that's where balance lives. It lives in the potential for that choice. You can choose and you have to just be okay. If they, if your friends, you know, call you lame, whatever, let them call you that, you know, Mm -hmm. I think to find balance is to just be honest with what you want. Yeah. I love that. And I think that a really important piece of that is actually really getting to know yourself, which is also a really difficult thing. And I talked a lot about it on last the last episode of this podcast being able to like actually know yourself and ask yourself these questions and know the answer to it is like it takes a lot of people a really long time to get to that point and I think it's a really really cool place to be I feel like it sounds so easy and it's so not to be self-aware and be self-actualized like you ever like totally get ready to go out and you're like I don't feel like going yeah like I don't want to go like why am I doing this it's like we just can't like say to ourselves like you don't want to go. So don't like, you don't have to, you don't have to. And that's something I think it's very normal to do that in college. In fact, I almost like, yeah. Oh, I've definitely done that for sure. Does it. And that's fine. I don't want people to be like, Oh my God, is that a red flag that I do that? No, that's so normal. We, I still have moments like that where I'm getting ready and I'm like, I don't feel like going and you go anyway. Yeah. But I Mm -hmm. think being able to recognize that and ask yourself is so important. Yeah. And obviously there's some times where like you should give yourself that extra push, even if you don't want to go like show up if it's your friend's birthday or something like that. But yes, generally it's just your decision of what you want to do with yourself. Yeah. And sometimes you're in that mood and then you go and you end up having a great time. So it's, and that's the whole point of the gray space and the balance and your, your ability to choose. Yeah. So on this no. Why do you feel like it's important to go out and like get good food, get drinks with your friends as part of a healthy lifestyle? I have found that my, my most healthy and aligned self incorporates, you know, going out with friends, going out with family, because I know what that other dark side looks like. I know what the isolation looks like. I know what no alcohol looks like. And if I did drink, you know, empty stomach, right. Mm -hmm. Or I know what no meals out looks like, because I feared it so much. So I think again, back to that word balance, which I know is like such a cliche trigger word, but it mm-hmm. does just simply describe this. I know. I always use that word just cause it's so like accurate. There's nothing else, you know? Yeah. Like it's like, I know people are like, I hate that word balance, but you know what? That, that's what balance is. I am a Libra. Mm-hmm. So I think of the scale, yeah. like the Libra scale, I literally have it tattooed on my body. I'm insane, but yeah, it's balance. Like that balance of cooking for yourself and enjoying food at your favorite restaurant without the stress. And I think that's the key point. Doing it without the stress. That's when I felt like I had made so much progress because I, there's that point where you're going out, but like the whole time at dinner, like you're just staring at the appetizer where you're just like staring at what's on the plate. But then there's that point where you can sit back and just like, listen to what your friends are saying. Yeah. And not just be feeding your body, but like feeding your soul. Mm, love that. And you lose that, you lose that aspect of your health when you are orthorexic. Yeah. Or like just caring about exactly what's going in. Yeah. 
So that's what I, that's what I would say to that is that that part of your life feeds the soul. And that's so important. So your Libra is your birthday, like around now? (laughs) My Libra is the, my, my Libra, my birthday is the first day of Libra. So it was September 23rd. Okay. Okay. Happy bladed. So so it just passed. Yeah. Are you, wait, what are you? I'm a Virgo. Okay. So what were you, you're before me then? Yeah. September 6th. Okay. You were September 6th. Cause my friend, she's September 15th and she's a Virgo. And I just like, I like Virgos because I'm on the cusp, you know, I'm that yeah. first day. So like, I have some like Virgo, like tendencies, type A shit yeah. that goes on with me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's switch gears a little bit. Um, okay. So you're a Pilates instructor. I love Pilates. Uh, how did you find Pilates and how do you feel like it impacted your life? So I actually found Pilates about a year before the pandemic, but I didn't really commit to the practice then. I just like I was almost doing it as like a side thing. Cause at that point I was really going to the gym working out and then the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and I was upset that the gym was closing. Well, at least my voices, the eating disorder voices were upset, but I think I always call this part of my brain, like my wiser mind that I feel like it was there the whole time that knew what I was doing was wrong. But like the other voices were like tackling her. Yeah. So I think when the gym closed, my, my wiser mind was like, okay, this is good you need this. Yeah. So I started getting back into Pilates. I was doing videos like literally from my bedroom floor. Like I would roll my mat out, look up free Pilates video on YouTube. I found so many people. Um, I really loved Tasha Franken at that time. Just give some shout outs. I was, was doing Melissa Wood Health. Oh, love her. Um, she's an icon, but I think the discovery of that in recovery, that exercise can be like enjoyable I remember I would be like so excited during quarantine to like put out my mat and do it in the morning mm-hmm. and I was like that's weird why am I excited like why am I excited to work out like yeah. right right it's like oh it's supposed to be a punishment like why am I excited and that's when I noticed that it was something that was like seriously going to impact my life so that I guess it was like the fall then I decided to take start the course. I was doing it, you know, I graduated then. So I was doing it in the summer and I started doing the course and it really taught me about the body and how important it is to move. And it makes you appreciate what your body does for you so much more Yeah, going through any type of like instructor training. And, and then on top of that, it taught me the importance of just like slowing down in life Yeah, and, and moving in a way that feels right. And you know, it changes weekly. Some weeks you're into longer flows, other weeks you're into shorter flows or just like walking. Mm. But actually listening to your body, I think is like the number one thing that it taught me is that you can just listen to your body and move in a way that feels good. Yeah. I love what you said about how you would like actually be excited to work out. And you thought that was so weird. I think that's so important for people is not necessarily doing the workout that you think will get you like the results that you want. It's you'll get the results that you want when you find the workouts that you actually love doing. And I, oh my God, I love that you just said that because it's like, if you're doing these like weightlifting workouts, cardio, and you hate your life, I truly believe stress, it shows on the body. Oh yeah, for sure. It manifests on your body. So when you're working out in a way that you love and enjoy, and it feels good for you and you're meditating or whatever, Mm -hmm. that could be weightlifting. That could be your that could be your workout. You know, it can be anything. Yeah. It could be so different for anybody. When you do what you enjoy, that's when you see not just the physical, but also that mental shift. Yeah. And I use that word a lot. It's truly like you almost 
feel it. You could feel it in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. If you like do a quick flow, even 10 minutes, yeah. you stand up and you're like, Whoa. much better. <laughs> and I think that the other big piece of that is you'll actually be consistent with it. Cause a lot of people will like go really hard exercising, like every single day for a few weeks of something that they don't really like doing. And then they burn out because they don't enjoy it. But if you actually enjoy it, you'll do it. It's like, um, it's like New Year's, like New Year's resolution, right? It's like you yeah. burn yourself out. You go every single day to the gym on January 1st, two weeks later, you're on the couch because you, yeah. you're not doing something. It's not coming from a space where like you're ready to commit because you mm-hmm. want to feel good so badly. Yeah, no, exactly. So what about people who say like, oh, Pilates is easy. Like I won't get results from it. I need to do cardio. Or I need to do weightlifting. I think we kind of touched on it, but like what would be your message for that? Yeah, we touched on it like a little, but I think, and I've, as a Pilates teacher, you hear this constantly. This is like everyone's fit. This is why they don't want to try it Mm because it's too easy. And I think what I would say is that I have been there. I didn't want to give up my hours of cardio and my heavy weightlifting. And I said, oh, Pilates is a side thing because if I just did Pilates, I wouldn't look how I look. And once I truly grew to understand what the practice was, like the form, the levels, the mind-body connection, I realized that it's actually anything but easy. Yeah. Because when you really understand it and you do a flow, it is so challenging for your mind and your body. It forces you to lean into certain moves or feelings that you're uncomfortable with in your body, like that burn. Mm. And I know you do Pilates, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like that burn or like your leg is shaking yeah. and you're like, I have to keep going. Like, in fact, like I, I know I can keep going and I will be so happy when I get these like last 10 in. Yeah. So I would tell those people that Pilates really teaches you that, you know, you're stronger than you think you are. And it shows you that commitment to something can give you physical and mental results. And also the classic, you can't knock it till you try it. I will say it. It's the classic line, but it is so true. It's so true. You can't say anything doesn't work or anything's easy till you do it. Often, like I'll tell people I do Pilates and they're like, oh, is that like yoga? I'm like, I love yoga too, but no, it's not. It's yeah. Different. People just assume that it's the same. Like sometimes people will be like, oh my God, my friend Ali is a yoga teacher. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> And I love yoga. I do yoga. Um, Sometimes I'll blend it into my flows, but they are so different. And for such a good reason. They can definitely be complimentary. Yes. Oh my gosh. They are definitely complimentary. I love incorporating it in. Yeah. What other practices do you pair with Pilates for health, mental, physical wellness in general? Right. So this is also something that I've sort of like incorporated this throughout, but just to be like really concrete with it. So meditation every morning. Okay. And just like a mini intention setting before I do a flow. So I know people hear the word meditation and they're like, oh my God, yeah, I don't have time to meditate. And I just think that is a effing excuse I do because yeah. a meditation does not have to be 20 minutes. It can be 30 seconds if you want it to be, because I just think a meditation is coming back to your center. It can be one deep breath. So for me, it has evolved. It used to be, I wake up, I take a deep breath. Inhale, exhale. Now it's I wake up, I light my sage, I sage the room, I have my spray. And that's just because I know what I'm like when I don't do it. Mm -hmm. And that practice can be some morning it's five minutes, some mornings it's 25 minutes. So 
I do that every morning. I like to set an intention for the day or before I start a flow. I like to just be like, I'm going to cultivate clarity during this flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just brings you into that good mental space. So, you know, besides that, I love walking. I'm a big walker. Me too. I love to put on a podcast and walk. Like, do you do that? I feel like I'm- Oh, it's my favorite thing. My favorite thing. You know, when you're like pumped. Transforms like, the day. You know, when you have like a good ass podcast, like in the queue. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, I love podcasts. You're like, let's go. Hot girl walk. It's so good. Hot girl walk. Love hiking. And sometimes, okay, right. Sometimes I feel this like sudden urge to go run or a bike, right? Just listen to your body. Just yeah. because I say that like, oh, I, I do pull only Pilates now. And I, it's not like I'll never run again. I just, yeah, I just do that when it feels right. When I'm like, I want to sweat my ass off. I'm going to go run. Yeah. Like running is not my favorite thing. Yeah. But occasionally I'll feel like it. Yeah. I love, I love that you said that a meditation can be just like 30 seconds or even just a deep breath. Cause like, I've always wanted to really get into meditation. And I'll like try it. I'll do like a five minute meditation. It's like fine. And then I just like forget about it for a few weeks. But I think like even like literally just when you wake up doing a minute or 30 seconds, like that's something that's so easy to implement and just like starting your day that way would be so awesome. Like kind of inspired. And I always tell people like I was I was not I always tell people like I was not always like this. Like I used to be in that camp. I I said out loud multiple times, I will never meditate. I just can't. Yeah. Like I hate it. Yeah. Like I I would say that constantly. But then when you start doing it, even if it is that breath, girl, I literally would be like in the back of an Uber doing it. I would be in the grocery store pasta aisle and I would just be like, (sighs) yeah, right. Like, and then you're like, okay, like I feel kind of better. And when you start to realize how you show up differently, you're like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this every day. I got to find a pocket of time. I have to stop scrolling on my Instagram Mm -hmm. and just do it. Yeah exchange the habit for something better mm-hmm. yeah sometimes when I'm in the grocery store I get really overwhelmed so I feel like it's a good place yes, to meditate. me too especially in Trader oh my god a college Trader Joe's oh my god I wish we had Trader Joe's here I can't even relate oh wait yeah you're in Canada oh my god you poor soul I know I every time I go to the states it's like my first stop but like yeah like but when you we had one so I went to Penn State and we had it in our college town and it was like it's so fun every bitch is getting the same shit oh right? I'm sure we're all oh my god yes so it is the most overwhelming place mm-hmm. I would literally be like in front of the freaking I don't know hummus like I'm gonna die right yeah now. <laughs> no I definitely relate to that in the grocery store where when it's like really busy I'm just like I can't I need to leave I can't yeah. I can't <laughs> So what was your journey like, and I'm sure it's still ongoing to self-acceptance and how did you like, how did you start it? And how do you feel like you are now at like accepting yourself? Okay. It's actually so funny that you were like, oh, I'm sure that like, you're still on it. Right. Yeah. Because this is the one thing, this is the one quote unquote journey that I say, like, I feel like I am there. I feel like I'm not on this journey. Oh, that's awesome. I feel like when it comes to self-acceptance, I've done a lot of work Mm -hmm. and I can confidently like say now, I like accept myself exactly as I am. That's so like aspirational. I feel like it's not the answer that people want to hear, right? It's not like that we're on this journey to accept forever because like so many people are still on it. I just Mm -hmm. feel like I hopped off the train. Yeah. But I think I've, I've, I've gone inward. I've laughed. I've cried. I felt anxious. I've had to battle voices. I've had to like, just be like F you to people that, 
you know, make fun of me or say that what I'm doing is weird or like yeah. people will call me a witch, right? Yeah. <laughs> but when we learn to just let go of what everyone else thinks of us, I think that's mm-hmm. when we truly just start to accept ourselves exactly as we are and like not to mention we can change whenever and however we want to yeah like we are fluid beings like I can accept myself now and then like change tomorrow yeah I feel like I'm definitely still on my journey towards self-acceptance but I love that you say like you can change who you are because I feel like especially like at my age and your age too we're like we're changing constantly like I have changed so much in like a year two years like every year I'm different every day I'm different so it makes it a little harder I guess to accept your accept myself like what do you feel like was the key for you just letting go of other people's opinions it's and that's so hard that is so hard. yeah but I and, and in college is really where you're supposed to experiment with that and and change mm-hmm. but I think the key is just to not put yourself in a box like change your opinion and change your path in mm-hmm. life and then change it again like you have to say to yourself that no one's thinking about what you're doing as much as you are. Yeah. I think we're like, oh, what are they going to think? They might think something about it for 45 seconds. They might text their friend and be like, oh, what Ali's doing is like strange and then never talk about it again. Yeah. It's your path, you know? So I think the key is really just to say, to say that you are a fluid being and you will, and you will be who you are without that constraint and that's how you get to the point of accepting it and that's something that you can't really teach it I wish you could it's not something that you can use tools and tactics Mm -hmm. no you kind of just have to get there I think that's a really good piece of advice though yeah what would be your advice to somebody who is maybe at the point where they've acknowledged that they've had they have an eating disorder or they have disordered eating habits like what next steps should they take yeah this is another question that's really common is someone will be like, well, I've admitted like that I have one to myself. Like I finally acknowledged it. And like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And what I say that sometimes it comes off as tough love, but I tell people because I wish someone told me this because it would have saved me a lot of time beating around the bush mm-hmm. is that the hardest part of it is not the acknowledgement because we all know yeah. we're just being babies yeah. and we're not saying it right. The hardest part is seeking the help, like the professional help. Mm -hmm. That's the step you have to take after you acknowledge it and you have to take it. Yeah. Let the people that are closest to you, let them know what's going on. Let them know whoever you want to tell what you're going through. Ask them to be there for you, to hold you accountable, et cetera. But I think you have to after you acknowledge how you feel, look for resources. Yeah. That would be my best step. Even if that first resource you go to is a book by a professional. Yeah. You can't always lean on your, and I know we want to lean on our best friends for advice or or parents, but they don't understand it in the same way. Yeah. And they, they don't, they are not professionals. And also it could be really draining for them if you're constantly looking to them for support that is really should be coming from a professional. Right. And, and also power to family and friends that want to help, because I know it is so hard to help someone. And I, I always like thank them Mm -hmm. for what they did during that time, but it it put me off track because I relied on that Mm -hmm. help too much and it didn't get me to where I should have gone. Yeah. What about somebody who wants to start 
doing Pilates, but doesn't know how, or maybe like they can't afford classes. What would your advice be? Yeah. What's okay. What is amazing? I I hate saying this. What's amazing about the pandemic, right? (laughs) What's amazing about what occurred because of the pandemic is Mm -hmm. just the pure access to fitness. So like I said, in the beginning, I started with those free, um, YouTubes, Mm -hmm. like YouTube, um, what else? You can even do people's Instagram lives. Mm -hmm. Plenty of studios at that time were doing free classes, but I will say this, it gets to a point where let's say you're doing it, you're doing free for a while and you're loving it. it gets to a point where you have to say, okay, I need to invest in myself with this practice now. So now that I know that I love this practice, let me do a quick Google search for maybe an online platform or a studio nearby where I might be able to now go in person and drop in. And yeah, it might cost money, but I'm giving that money to an instructor that aligns with what I want and sees this vision for me and makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. It's like, how much money do we spend on clothes and going out to eat yeah. right, and alcohol or whatever? Yeah. But we're so hesitant to do like an online subscription to a studio, myself included. I was like that. Yeah. And then you do it and you're like, I, I do this so much. I do this every day. So I will say that when I began exploring Pilates, I chose the free online route. But once mm-hmm. I felt that shift, I, I followed that urge. I invested in myself, paid for classes. And I would say, if you want to start and be successful, you've got to be consistent with it. Yeah. So because that's what that long term is what's going to help you down the line. And if you are struggling in your recovery. I think that's really good advice. I I kind of switched back and forth between doing like free classes and like paid classes. I definitely started off with paid classes actually, because I had no idea what I was doing. So I was just like, you know, you got to go and like learn from the best. (laughs) But yeah, I think that, I think that at whatever point you're at, Pilates is very accessible to everybody. If you just have like YouTube. Yeah. And that's what I love is that I feel like fitness used to be so not accessible. It was so like boutique fitness, like Mm -hmm. these little expensive studios where you had to pay like $40 to drop in. Yeah. Like that's crazy. And, and now though, where I am now, it's like, if I found an instructor that was so valuable and that I loved so much, and I do have instructors like this in my life, it's like, you say almost like I would pay anything Yeah, because they provide me with so much value and their time is so important to me and what they do for my mental and my physical and my spiritual health. So it's really just finding what works for you. And I know that's such a bland answer but it's really the truth is you have to be your own guinea pig and be your own guru and play around with it. Yeah. And when you find someone that you really love, like you, you, it's so different, such a different experience when you go to class. Yeah. You can't wait. You just can't wait to to hear what they have to say in class or what they're going to teach. It's, it's like magical. Yeah. It's almost like a mentor type of situation. Exactly. Okay. So I think we're coming towards the end of our time. So what is your main takeaway message? Sorry, that's such a broad question, but like anything you want to leave us with? No, I, I like that question. I think that oh, if I could leave you guys with one thing, it would be to stop what you are doing, whether that's tomorrow morning or right now in this moment when you're listening to this and just evaluate your life, evaluate where you are, evaluate your level of satisfaction where are you right now? What's missing? What do you want? Because I am just a believer that we can create this life that we want for ourselves. We're a decision away from that. We need to take actionable steps and we need to drop that fear, write it down, Mm -hmm. 
read it, read it again, read it every morning and start doing things to get to where you want to be because you're not just going to change because inside your head you want to change. Yeah. You've got to evaluate and you've got to take the steps. Okay. I love that message because I feel like so many people just go through life like day by day, not really like actually thinking about what they're doing. And I think a common theme is, oh, I have to go to school. I have to go to work. It's like, well, if it's that much of a chore, maybe like look into other jobs or a different program or something else that you actually enjoy doing because you have one life and you might as well spend it doing what you like doing. I so agree with that. And that the thing I briefly said in that was that you're one decision away from like changing who you are. That's actually something I heard. I want to plug him. My man, Ed Milet, love him. I don't know if you know Ed Milet, no. but he is the best. Listen to his podcast. He's like a motivational speaker. He is like the definition of rags to riches. He's so yeah. great. But I heard him say that once. And I don't remember if it was like on a podcast or on Instagram, but I heard him say that once in it. Like, I don't know. It, it made me do that thing. Yeah. It made me be like, I'm going to become a Pilates instructor. I'm, I'm going to just yeah. do it. I'm going to sign up for the class. So yeah, I yeah. love that. That's awesome. So where can we find you? Instagram, website, I'm going to plug anything. Hit myself out. You can find me at inflow with Ali on Instagram. My website is inflowwithali.com. I have my whole on-demand library there. You can check out my classes. Uh, if you send me a little DM, tell me that you listened to the podcast. We'll do a little free class. That's super fun. We'll give someone their free class for free. That's always fun, right? Yeah. You can try it out. So yeah. And feel free to always drop into DMs. I love talking to people. If anyone wants to talk about what they're going through or they resonated with something I said, I would love to hear from people. So yeah. And I'll also link all of that in the description. So if you missed it, awesome, yay. you can catch it in the description. And I'll also be linking some eating disorder resources. Amazing. I love that. Thank you for you to check out. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I had such a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. That was great.